Welcome to RV Out West. I'm your host, Brooks. My family of four's base camp is located in the beautiful Pacific Northwest, and our RV adventures radiate from there. I'm relatively new to RVing, and a few years ago, I convinced my wife that for an anniversary present, we should buy a used tent trailer from some friends of ours. Ever since then, we have fallen head over heels for the RV life, and we now find ourselves towing a 26-foot Jayco travel trailer. So grab yourself a mug of coffee and join us as we discuss RVing around the West. From sweet camping spots, gear and equipment, to tips and tricks, we've got you covered. We are RV Out West. Joining me today are fellow podcasters and full-time RVers, Jason and Abby Epperson of RV Miles, America's National Parks, and the Sea America Podcast. We are discussing boondocking, and I chat with them about how they go about finding free campsites as they travel full-time and work remote from the road. Jason and Abby, thank you so much for chatting with me today, and let's jump right in. How do you two go about locating boondocking campsites? The west of the United States in particular is, a lot of it is still the Wild West. There is a lot of wild land available to camp on, and a lot of people struggle to find those spots because some of it is just okay there's a hundred million acres of blm land available to you in the state of nevada you just go anywhere on it right and and then sometimes it's not that easy and it really depends on you on where you are and the type of land agency that manages it and all that sort of stuff but what we like to do when we're figuring out a place to go boondock um, is, is it's a very multi-leveled approach. Like we'll start with going to Campendium, the dirt. We'll go to um, some of the old school apps and websites like Allstays. Um, mm-hmm. Freecampsites.net is yeah. a really good one that has a, a lot of listings on it, but none of them have, none of them are comprehensive. Um, lots of listings will only be on one and not any of the others. And then there are some places that, aren't listed at all. So generally you can boondock on most federal land, um, whether it be most, mostly it's gonna be the Bureau of Land Management or um, the US Forest Service within a certain amount of feet of a road. Um, uh, Or sometimes it's you have to be at least a hundred feet away from the road. The rules are different, but you can go on the the when you decide on an area that you want to go to you can go to the website of of that district of whatever land agency you're using so if if it's the nevada bureau of land management for instance um and and find out what their rules are and then sometimes they have what's called a motor vehicle use map all of the national forest service uh forests have a motor vehicle use map um mv U M (laughs) and you can, you can actually find them online. Um, they're very, uh, high level, I guess, low level up close detailed maps of the entire national forest. And they tell you, you know, what, what places motor vehicles can be on. And if motor vehicles can be there, you can generally, uh, camp there in an RV. Now, if you're in a tent, you can usually go further in and and camp often wherever you want to. So you can you can you can look at those things online. Uh, you can actually go to the ranger stations and get their their take on it. 
Um, but then, but we often like to really just talk to our community and uh, and other people in like Facebook groups and forums and and figure out where they're going and what they've what they've found that might be special, unique, interesting, all that sort of stuff. But I think it's really important to understand that there's at this moment in time not a one-stop shop for all of this. So when you're looking at, and Jason has already said this, but when you kind of have an idea of where you want to travel, you're really going to have to take it state by state in regards to where you're going to find it. And then in some instances, you're really going to have to take it region by region inside that state. You are going to have to break it down because it is so varied and it is this hidden secret that we all know about. And so it's it's very, uh, it is kind of like a, a little bit of a puzzle. But that's part of why it, it's so great because it's available because it's hard to find. So when you yeah. do find it, like nobody else is camping there and it's it's fantastic that you find this awesome space. You know, it. we found this really great uh, national forest campsite campground that was completely boondocking and it was it's in the Custer National Forest in South Dakota and what was so awesome about that is there was no one there because when you think of that area everyone is so focused to get to Custer State Park okay that's the campground we all want to get to and everyone uses that as a jumping off point but not far from there is a national forest with it used to be an operational campground yeah, is, in there. It was a, de a campground that had been decommissioned, but you could still camp at it as if you're boondocking. And there's still like picnic tables and stuff, but no services, no people, no nothing. You just nothing. pull in right there. So there's there's also there's stuff like that. There's varying levels of of stuff. I know in Colorado, a lot of the national forests now are starting to do even reserved boondocking mm -hmm. because boondocking has been so popular in Colorado in some of the uh, in some of the more busy national forests. So what they have done is literally put like a campsite marker on the side of the road <laughs> where people often boondock. That's your campsite. You reserve that. Yeah. So, you know, in that instance, would that be to reserve it? And I, this is new to me a little bit too, but is that through recreation.gov? Is that through, is the national, I think the national forest most, is most, going through there. Yeah, most national most forest campgrounds are through recreation.gov, yeah. but these in particular are not. You actually have to go through the national forest do we, okay. location there. So it's, you know, you're also, do. that's the other thing is you're dealing with, uh, you're dealing with government agencies the, the, and they're, the fact that we have so many different agencies managing yeah. different types of land or similar in the same types of land is already kind of silly. And then there are all the districts that have their own different rules. So some di some di uh, national forest districts might, they might have a rule that you can only camp in that forest for 14 days and then you have to be out for 30 days. Uh, that's, that's common. Uh, sometimes the rule is you can only be there for 14 days and then you have to move at least a mile. So you can still be within that forest, but you have to move at least a mile. Um, you know, so it all it it all depends and it's 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 much yeah. it's a it's a wild mess. Um, but in general well, that's the, thrill of the hunt too though. It, yes, 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 exactly. It's gonna depend a lot on your, the type of rig you have it as well, right? Mm -hmm. Um but in, in general, 
other people have done most of these places. And a lot of times people are kind enough to list them on one of these websites, or if not, you go into like a, a boondocking Facebook group and say, I wanna go to this area. Anybody have any good recommendations for me? And you know, often they'll get down, maybe they, sometimes they won't even reply to your your post because they don't want everyone to know, but they might send right. you That's a what I was gonna, message. I was gonna get like, to like, people don't wanna share their honey holes and yeah. I get it, right? I totally understand and yeah. get that, so. Um, yeah, I, in some, I will say in some cases I get it, but in some cases I don't get it because it's public land and you know, it should be, if someone has a desire to do it, they should have the resources and they should have the ability to do that because obviously at some point someone told you about that spot or you heard about that spot. Someone shared that information. So why does it get to stop with you? Like, you yeah, know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah, yeah and I, so I, I, I struggle a little bit with that narrative, which can be very much like, oh, don't give away my campsite. You know, I don't want yeah. everyone there. And I understand that because I do know at the heart of dry camping and boondocking, it is to get away from everything. You don't want to be in a big semicircle with 15 other generators going, you know, for hours on end. I completely understand that. So I think this, some of this with going to reserving and I know that takes away sort of the the fun of it all of just showing up and, and making that happen. But I think that, that some of that will be, A, to protect the land, because that's very, very important. But then also to ensure that things that we want out of boondocking can continue to be. It, it's, also, it, the, it's also the responsible thing to do, to even though, you know, there might be a spot that looks like a great place to set up a campsite, but... If there's there's a spot that is that is clearly traditionally been used as a campsite, and you know there's a fire ring, and you're you should use that site so you're not creating additional, you know, tire tracks and additional fire rings, and, and you should be you know respecting the land by by using what's are already there. But sometimes what we'll do is go to an area and we'll we'll spend a couple days in a commercial campground or a, a public campground to sort of dump and fill our, our tanks and, and charge our batteries up. And while we're there, we'll go out and we know that there's there's boondocking spots in the area where around BLM land or, or around National Forest land, and we'll go scout it out for mm -hmm. when we leave and then we move, move to yeah. that, you know? So if you have two weeks in an area planned, you can spend those first couple days in a, in a campground with hookups and then go search out a spot. And certainly that might not matter to you, or you might not need to do that if you are a much smaller rig, if, you know, if you're I'm a truck camper. plus my truck. Yeah, so, you know, we're 42 plus our truck. So obviously it's very limited how far we can go in. Um, but, uh, you know, truck campers and real nimble off-road vehicles, you know, they may not need to go scout. They can just get up in there and they'll just sneak into a little spot. Someone that's a little bit bigger... If you have that ability to um, be at a campground and then kind of get an, a lay of the land in the area you want to go to before, that's incredibly helpful to just make sure if you're going to pull your RV into there, <laughs> that you're not going to have to figure out how to get out with, right. <laughs> with no turnarounds. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I was also going to ask if you use Google Earth. I mean, I've done yeah, some. Yes. We, we definitely use yes. Google Earth. And, and that that's helpful, too, because a lot of people don't realize that there are there are there 
plots of private land within a lot of like national forests mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, uh, or e even people that have rented land from the national forest, from the U.S. Forest Service and stuff like that. So um, you do have to, you know, you have to know if you're able to be on a, right. a, a given amount of land. And, you know, we're, we're generally, we're, we're, I wouldn't call us like the, the best of boondockers. Like we're, we're usually looking for spots where like other people have been and other people are like, uh, uh, hopefully we're we're away from other people but you know we're 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 always cautious about like making sure that this is an okay place to go and if somebody else has been camping there and nobody's told them to leave we're we're usually like oh it's probably fine yeah. out here i mean because out here we have a lot of timber companies mm -hmm. that just own land for timber harvest and so you know it looks like it's fine it looks like it's blm or or state or forest land and then you just don't know so then you could end up unintentionally yeah, yeah. well in the in, land. and then the national forest then the are auctioned off to be logged at a certain percentage and you can't be in the areas where there is active logging happening that sort of stuff as well i would not be surprised in the next year or two given um sort of the boom we've seen in other um campground apps and being able to find campsites across the country and how popular that is right now I would not be surprised if we start to see more boondock-focused apps appear, websites that are going to try and get all of this information into yeah. one space. That would be wonderful if there are any RVers and coders <laughs> who are listening. Yeah, it does Here's seem like that is the, to me, looking at all of the new startup companies that have happened in the last year or two, that does seem to be the one area of camping that no one has really strongly moved into, or at least that I'm not aware of, or that we have heard of yet. There could be some in development for well, all yeah, we know. But you, you have these websites like freecampsites.net, which it, it, out of the web tools, that is probably the one that we think has the, the, the most boondocking yeah. spots listed on it. And it's a great tool, but it is only a website, right? There's no app yep. with it. And it's a website that looks like it's from like 2004. Yeah, um, I've had it before. I, yeah, I mean, we found some amazing spots off there, but I, I do think I would just be very, very surprised if in the next year or two, we do not see a dedicated company pop up that's really going to be focusing on all types of boondocking and dry camping. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and with the the increase in RV camping and the, mm -hmm. the sales that are, you know, exploding right now, as we know, because of COVID, I kind of fall in that camp, although I had it planned in my ideas long mm -hmm. before COVID. COVID was just that final push um, yeah. to get rid of our beloved Pippa the pop-up. But um, <laughs> I, I think, too, I read then that, you know, a lot of, BLM and Forest Service are closing down the lands to boondocking now because I think people are not being good stewards. Yeah. yeah. Well, I and think so, I do think that's where the reservation component is going to start to come into play a little bit more for our public lands and why some of these national forests are moving towards that because yes, there have been swaths especially out in the west that have had to be shut down because we are not, as humans, being good stewards of our land and right. we're abusing it. And so I, I do think 
that we are in a great stage of transition right now and some of it's going to change can sometimes be hard and change is also wonderful but i do think that the boondocking of a decade ago three years or you know even that we knew when we first got on the road is not going to be what we have going forward and that's not necessarily a bad thing more people are discovering something that we all love but right. we do have to make sure that we're doing it responsibly so that our kids can do it as well and their kids can do it. And, right. you know, yep. there's there's a lot of experimentation about how to solve that problem. And one is what I talked about, about the potential reserved boondocking spots. And then and then sometimes it's which this is what I think makes the most sense is when like BLM will say, OK, there are we're having 150 people camping in this one spot every single weekend all right let's just build a campground there right mm -hmm. you know we're going to just right. turn it into a campground we'll charge a nominal fee and there will be trash and and pit toilets and stuff so we don't have to deal with the, the mess you know then the other thing is that a, a lot of times when there's closures sometimes it's in areas that are near a city where you have a lot of homeless people ending up moving out into those and living there permanently um and you know obviously there are a billion different ways that that should be solved um but often it's just we shut it down there's a there's a crazy stat there's um i i don't know that i'm going to get this exactly right but it's something yeah. like the bureau of land management has one law enforcement ranger per 2 million acres of land yeah, that they that about right. they cover. It's something around there. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously that's, it, it's impossible to have any law enforcement on any of that land at that scale, right? So, um, and, you know, we're not, we're not gonna pay to hire hundreds of thousands of Bureau of Land Management law enforcement rangers either. So there's, the, so their solution is no camping here. Um, and I, I get that without any additional support, but um, I think the RV community is going to have to be, um, and that's us as campers, um, us as podcasters, right. the, the RV industry itself, we're all going to have to get a little bit involved in helping um, figure out solutions to that problem. Now you have, we found a spot. Sure. Right? <laughs> I, I've pulled in. Uh, if there isn't a fire ring, and there's no fire ban. Am I allowed to construct a fire ring with rocks and found material? Again, it's going to depend on uh, my rules on, on the rules of, okay. of the area. Um, usually, yes. Um, sometimes there are rules about it being a small cooking fire. Um, sometimes it's sometimes you can only use a, a gas appliance that can be yeah. turned on like and off. Yeah. Um, sometimes it has to be in something you can you can bring your own sort of like a solo stove or or something like that and it has to be contained with something like that but more often than not yeah you can construct a fire ring um and then you know the responsible thing to do then is to um obviously put that fire out completely to where that you can dig your hands into it and yep and, and make sure it's completely gone uh, but then um but then destroy that fire ring and and you know disassemble it. Yeah. Disassemble mm -hmm. the move the Maybe rocks back yep. to where or the area they were in and, and um and move some brush over it and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, to scouting stuff. Stuff you learn in yeah. stuff. <laughs> I'm a firm believer in the the leave no trace principles. Sure. Um, but if you're going to a location that you know you've you've scouted on free campsites or any of the other websites we've discussed, and you're you are let's just say hooked up, you're not necessarily going for a day of exploring to find a spot, you know, for the next couple of days, as you mentioned earlier. Um, what are some things you guys are We're looking for? Looking to do for cell service, selection? and yeah. and that's us. Some people are yeah. looking for no cell service, right? You know, um, but we work from the road, so we we want to make sure that we have access to some sort of signal, some way. And even even if there is no cell service, if we're close enough to drive in somewhere where we can get it, yep. Um, or that will just decrease the amount of time that we stay in this particular place. Mm -hmm. uh, I would also say that we are looking for, um, especially if it's a, a big open space, um, a way that we can still kind of make our own little corner out of all of that, knowing that others are going to come in as well, you know, so wanting to have some sort of, uh, not necessarily like visual area, but yeah. yeah, you know, you want to just kind of be able to set up and kind of have some space to exist while you're there. Um, there, there, there are a lot of different reasons people boondock. Like it, it you know, it seems like it's obvious that people just want to go to get away from it all. Um, but a lot of, I think we probably fall a little bit more into the category of we're, we're looking to an, uh, for an available and an affordable way Place to camp to near yep. something cool. Yeah. So right. like we're looking for boondocking outside of Yellowstone or outside of Zion. And, and the main purpose of being there is to go into those parks and parks. those beautiful places. Yep. So sometimes we don't care quite as much about how beautiful the spot is or how far away from people it is. We care more about the access to the road and to get and be able to get to that part. Yeah. And, you know, again, I would say also um, for us, again, we're a, we are a bigger rig. So we are a 42 foot fifth wheel. I think some of that is also ease getting to the location. So, you know, we all know we're going to drive down washboard roads and, things of that nature. But what always comes to mind, one of the spots I loved in Colorado last year was we did um, a boondocking stint not far from Great Sand Dunes. And we, and I mean, literally 10, 15 minutes from the, the entrance sign to Great Sand Dunes. And it was a great spot. It felt very removed from the main road, but it was, it wasn't far off the main road. It was just one straight washboard road shot yeah, into yeah. the spot 500 feet off of the main road but yeah and it was for us a great spot because it was easy access to the national park and then it was again only about a 15 20 minute drive into town to for groceries to groceries. help extend yep. right uh we also had cell service because we were not far from a campground that there's a great campground right outside the park, you know, that helped. So there were all these things for us that are different ones. Our wants are very different probably than a lot of other boondockers who are looking actually to unplug and, and go have get a away. weekend or a week. And yeah, right. Because we, because we travel in our RV full time, unplugging and getting away is the equivalent of vacation for us. 
Right. And so that doesn't happen on the regular. Even, you know, uh, sometimes a boondocking spot will be like two miles down a Washburg road. And, you know, that's something that we could, we could do, but, you know, we're hauling a trailer down that. So even besides the, besides the limit of being able to fit our trailer in somewhere, uh, but sometimes it's, 20 miles down a washboard road. That's not going to work that's, so much. That's going to tear our rig apart. Right. Well, it's a rolling earthquake. I mean, that's something we always... Anyway. Yeah, yeah, we remind people of this all the time. What you are pulling behind you is a rolling earthquake. So you have to consider that when you are looking at where you want to go, especially, you know, some of these bigger ones. you got a lot going on. Um, but, you know, we also really love spots that are just kind of quirky and incredibly unique like Idaho comes to mind that was just an overnight stop for us on the way to Yellowstone but it was an old abandoned Idaho State Park and it was right off the highway mm-hmm. and the state park you you drive in it's boondocking you find a spot we happen to find a spot right next to a petroglyph monument oh cool yeah very cool. cool it's yeah and it's off the highway. You could hear the highway. But here you are in this old abandoned Idaho State Park camping right next to petroglyphs. And we used this as an overnight on our way to Yellowstone. And it was just one of those experiences where we didn't need to be there for a week or two weeks or however long. But it was a super cool way to overnight. And that can be with some of boondocking, especially when it feels closer to civilization. That can be a great way to just break up a drive so and Abby, just have that overnight experience. So in let's talk about that. Just in this Idaho where you found it, were you guys, again, I'm going to go back to how did you find it? So were you, you know, were you driving Abby and Jason was on the computer? Was Jason driving? And that, you're was, that was planned. That was part yeah. of a planned route. Okay. Um, uh, where I, we had a couple campgrounds before that, when we were stopping as an overnight, and I did find it on freecampsites.net. Yeah. Okay. So you Most knew that. Most of our coming boondocking up. is planned, even if okay. it's just an overnight. Now, meaning like we know we're leaving, and this is an area we want to stop at for an overnight, and if that's not going to work, we're going to keep, keep going to something else. And I would say that too. Boondocking is very popular. Camping is very popular. Okay. Right. So. It's really advised, especially for bigger rigs where you don't have a lot of options with boondocking. You need to have a backup to your backup to your backup. Like you should know that I'm going to try this spot, but if it doesn't work, you need to have a couple other options because the bigger you are, the more limited, smaller you are, the the more availability you might have. Uh, But it's always best. You do not want to get into a situation where had you know we're in this idaho state park that was kind of in the middle of nowhere and we knew you know we knew that it would probably be fine because it was you know not exactly on a hot spot route right but we did have a backup for that and it turned out there was not a single person joining us there and it was a gorgeous spot and <laughs> it was awesome. I, i'm surprised more people don't camp there on their way to yellowstone because it was great it was fantastic one of uh, one of my favorites cool do you guys happen to look for widow makers? Uh, yeah. Um, I, that? We know of a, there's a couple in Chicago theater that, um, that we 
kind of knew when we were back doing that. Um, it, it was a family, and they were biking through a state park, and mm-hmm. a, a a branch fell on the wife, um, and killed her. That's awful. Yeah. So that is often been on on my mind. So yeah. it, it, we're. I'm looking for dead trees. Yeah, that's a widowmaker is a dead tree between two standing trees that you're just kind of. I'm looking for campgrounds. I'm looking for wherever. Wherever I park the RV, I look up. Yeah. That is a big, regardless, even if I'm in the state park. Regardless of where you are. Forever. Yeah. We've had, we've, we were camping um, in a public campground down uh, Davis Bayou, um, down in Mississippi. Um, It was National Park Service campground. And, our son watched a, a giant tree fall over between two rigs, just boom, right down between them. Thankfully, not between our two rigs. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Thankfully, yeah. nobody was hurt. Yep. But those are definitely things that we are hyper aware of. Yeah, you need you need to watch. You need to like, especially when you get into forests, you need to watch out for stuff like that. You need to watch out for things like you know. Hopefully, there's not going to be like a bear den near a road where you are. But right. if you're one of those people that is hiking in or something like that, or I mean, mm-hmm. you watch for like bear dens and um, uh, anything that um, you know. If there if there's anything that you could light on fire, you need to be very careful about that. A lot of people don't realize like mm-hmm. their truck exhaust can can start a forest fire, yep. um, or like dragging chains, chains. from a, a travel trailer can yep. can start a forest fire. Lots of different things could could do it. So you have to be really careful about that kind of stuff, especially. Right now, as we're we're going through some really really dry periods, um, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you really there's a lot of things you want to scout about the site and and make sure that you're safe. You want to look out for like, especially in the southwest, you want to make sure you're not somewhere where it's going to wash out if it rains. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For a flash, it's very common that like yep. see this wide open space that looks awesome, but the second it rains, it's going to, it's going to have a flash flood and wash out and yeah. that can be really dangerous. Yeah. And scary. How about, um, how's security been? I, I mean, as far as, you know, just being off on this land and you guys leave to go see Yellowstone or a national park or do whatever, and you come back and, you know, has anything. The only, the only issue we've ever had. If we're not this. Oh wait! We, we overnight at Cabela's and uh, and had our generator stolen from our the back of our trailer, oh. and that's the only time we've ever had any sort of issue, uh, uh, boondocking, if you want to call it. Yeah, that. yeah. We've we've seen stuff happen in campgrounds. We had yeah. a, we were in a campground where, where a a full on manhunt for escaped convict yeah, went through, um, with like helicopters and everything. Um, but we've never experienced anything that concerned us um, boondocking. It's just. But we also appreciate safety in numbers. Yeah. You know, we, again, our boondocking has always been very limited to the size of our rig. So that often puts us in a situation where there are others in the area. And, you know, I think now you'd have to go real far, real deep to probably be completely isolated at this point. Well, when and it I comes don't worry. to some of the popular docking spots. Yeah, and I don't worry. And too you much. size up those people and stuff. 
Yeah. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, that's okay. I mean, I just, when we bought our pop-up from our, our friends, we bought it knowing that there was no battery because they were camping at a state park. They were gone doing their exploring for the day and they came home and somebody had stolen the battery in the little plastic yeah. battery box off of it. Wow. Um, you know, oh, so, I mean, it was just one of those things. And so, I mean, I don't think I worry too much about BLM land or national forest land because somebody would, I mean, I guess if they go with intent, right. Yeah. And they know yeah. it's a popular spot perhaps, but um, I think, you know, I mean, theft happens. Well, and again, your house moves. So if you get somewhere and it doesn't feel comfortable, you, on the road. you should go. Yep. You, sh- you should absolutely leave. I mean, we have, for various reasons, it's not always necessarily our neighbors, but we have arrived in places where we have thought, this probably isn't a good idea for us. Like, it's, it's not meeting some of the things that we needed in order to make this work. So let's regroup and, and let's see if we can find something that is going to make this work for us. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, too, I, I would caution if you're boondocking and you plan to be gone from your rig constantly out exploring and doing all that, maybe boondocking, maybe that's not the best time to boondock. Maybe you might want to explore getting a campground or something where um, you're not leaving your rig you know, 10, 12, 11, you know, 10, 12, 13, 14 hours a day. And then, right. You know, just kind of there sitting, you know. Yeah, um, I, I mean, my, in, in terms of, in terms of theft, like, I, I, I don't think I feel a difference uh, in the types of places that we camp, that of uh, a difference yeah. in level of concern. Okay. Um, I think it's about That's the same. True. And I think I'm comfortable with settling with the fact that I know that anybody can break into an, into our RV at any point. And then you can know when we're gone because our truck's gone. And that's, it's, you know, it's, it's the, the RV doors are openable with the screwdriver. Right. Oh, good. So, you know, I, 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 I know that. And I, I, you know, I, we have insurance and anything in here, God forbid we had to replace it. We, we could, um, but you know, your, your family's safety, that is something that I think is, is yeah more worth concerning yourself with and that's mm-hmm. that's where the sort of you know kind of getting to know the people if if some people like to boondock to be completely solo but those people usually aren't going to be in the most popular boondocking areas so you know often you just like a, at a campground you walk by and you wave high and you might strike up a short conversation and be respectful and, and all that but you you know get get an idea of who your neighbors are and and right. uh, and just feel comfortable with that. Yep. And I don't know. It just gets overwhelming to me when I start looking at all these sites. And then it's, a, it's a, yeah, sometimes it's a, a, a lot of options and it's hard to choose. And like it, yeah, is it a lot of times we'll choose like here's like six spots that we think might work. And um, we kind of rank them and be like, this is where we're going to try first. <laughs> yeah. 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 Usually it's closest to the road to furthest from the road. Right. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, Jason and Abby, you guys, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me from Colorado to chat with me here on RV Out West about boondocking. I deeply appreciate it. Thanks so much for having us, Brooks. Yeah, it was a pleasure to speak with you for a while. Thank you. Thank you. And you guys definitely need to come out to the Pacific Northwest. We will. We will. We've got two states back there. We need to scratch off that map. Damn it alone. 
yeah. is worth the trip. <laughs> All right. We will remember that. It's time for a pit stop. And today we are going to share about lumination and flashlights. Since becoming an RVer, I will easily say that a flashlight is one of my most handy tools that I use the most often while I'm on the road. In the past, I've ever really used a headlamp because, well, hands-free just kind of makes sense. Recently, though, I've switched my primary flashlight from a headlamp to a smaller, more tactical-style flashlight for a few different reasons that I want to share with you today. A few things to consider about a more traditional handlight flashlight. They are great for the following reasons. Anytime you want the strongest portable beam available. When you need precision in controlling the specific direction of the beam, hands-free as you can set the flashlight down to do work and signaling for any assistance. Currently, I switched to the Phoenix PD35 version 3.0 flashlight. This flashlight is small, a little over five inches in length and weighs less than three ounces. It easily fits in a small pack, glove box, or RV tool bag and doesn't require much room. Plus, it comes with either a clip or a nylon sheath. The headlamp that I was using prior to this, I thought was bright at 310 lumens. And for the longest time, that was the brightest flashlight that I had. This new Phoenix flashlight offers four different levels of brightness depending on your situational needs and a maximum output of 1,700 lumens. 1,700 lumens lights up about 1,100 feet for a little over an hour. That is a lot of light. I had no idea. The aluminum body means that this thing is rugged and can handle the conditions of bouncing around in an RV as you motor on down the road. It also has a waterproof rating and it is fully submersible to six and a half feet for up to 30 minutes. This Phoenix PD35 flashlight is pretty badass. Plus, it also comes with a rechargeable battery and the micro USB charging cable. I will say though, it took me a hot minute to figure out how to charge this flashlight as I was expecting to find a port on the outside of the body. But after remembering that it's waterproof, you need to unscrew the rear cap from the body and remove the battery, as the battery has the micro USB charging port, so you just charge the battery directly. The Phoenix PD35 version 3.0 flashlight comes with the flashlight itself, the micro USB charging cable, a rechargeable battery, and both a nylon sheath and a flashlight clip so you can attach it however it works best for you. This flashlight is rugged, it fits in your hand nicely, it's easy to use, and it's feature-packed. This PD35 will make a great Christmas gift for a loved one or for yourself. You can find it online for around 80 bucks at phoenix-store.com. Again, that's phoenix-store.com. Thanks so much for listening today. In our next episode, in two weeks, I will be sharing our holiday gear guide for our most RV-friendly gear that we use all of the time to make our camp life just a little bit easier. In the meantime, please be sure to share with your friends and family about this podcast and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave this show a rating and a review. If you've not yet subscribed to the show, please do so. That way, you'll never miss an episode. Now, get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon. Thanks so much for listening to RV Out West. Join us again in two weeks with our next episode. 
Please like and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you choose to get your podcast so you never miss an episode. And I sure would appreciate if you left a rating or a review of the show. Special thanks to Scott Holmes Music for providing the intro song, We Are One. RV Out West can be found on Instagram and Facebook where you can interact with us and follow along on our RV adventures around the Pacific Northwest. So get out there, explore, and go see what's beyond the horizon.